on your part. All right, here we go. Welcome to the On Track and Field podcast. I'm your host, JT Ayers. All things track and field related, go to ontrackandfield.com. Do you need me to spell it out for you? It's not super difficult. Ontrackandfield.com. Super easy. Go there. Get some equipment. Help your athletes out. In fact, if you are not are an athlete, just go there and get what you need to give yourself the best opportunity to be successful. In fact, just for listening to this podcast, when you check out in the discount promo code, just write in the word track talk, all one word, track talk, save 15% right there. I'll tell you that, man, it's 15% on track and field equipment. Track and field equipment is expensive on track and field knows that, and they're going to help you out. Go there. They're the sole sponsor of this whole podcast. I love working with them and I'm a head coach. I use them and I wouldn't be doing this unless I thought they were the best of the best. And they are on trackandfield.com. With me today, I'm really excited about this interview is Mary Beth Sant Price. She's an American track and field sprinter and she holds personal records of 1095 in the 100. That's very fast. And 7.04 in the 60 meters. That's also very, very fast. She won a bronze medal at the 2022 World Athletic Indoor Championships in Serbia. And she's very definition, and you're going to find out, of grit and determination. Constantly overcoming injury, the naysayers. She's excelled to the highest level of true inspiration. And I'm really glad to be talking with her right now. So thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right, right off the bat, I want to talk about, and this is going to sound weird, your stature. You're five foot one. You're about a hundred pounds. Why are you so fast? You don't look like a normal, typical sprinter. You don't look like the Jamaicans who I've watched plenty of YouTube videos of you beating. You don't even look like a lot of the sprinters are in the races. You, in fact, when they say set and you come to a set position, you're very low because you're, you're kind of small, but you're so explosive out of the blocks and you're so fast. Like what is something like, how have you overcome that? Better question, not overcome that. Why are you so fast? <laughs> um, well, first of all, I don't know why I'm so fast. Honestly, I don't have the answers for you, <clears throat> but I was fast. I, I played soccer. I did dance. I did gymnastics. And I was really fast on the soccer field. And um, I just have always had these quick, fast switch muscles. And I think I have a lot of power packed in me. Um, and that helps a lot. So, yeah. I know it's a weighted question, but I had to ask. And so what does the weight room look like for you? What does, um, you know, what does the like plyometric set look like for you? How do you get so good at the blocks? Because that's one thing that you excel at so much better than anybody else that I've seen. And that's why maybe you're so, so good at the 60 meters. But what does that typically look like when you're training? And what do you try to emphasize when you're working on that explosion? Yeah. So in the weight room, we really focus on heavy weight, low reps. And so, you know, when I'm squatting, I'm lifting four, three to four times my body weight. Um, we do step ups also really heavy in that. And, you know, deadlifts, we aim for two and a half to three times my body weight. So I'm just able to really sustain the strength without putting on a whole bunch of mass. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's the goal is to be, to just get to those numbers. And I think going into the weight room, you know, every day, that's, that's the goal every time. So you're in the weight room is a big aspect of you in, in sprinting. Yes, absolutely. 
Um, I mean, you, you gotta have the strength to weight ratio, you know, you gotta have the power and the numbers. And, um, my coach, um, Chuck DeGay, he's a, he's a numbers guy. Like he, he just, he can see something and put numbers to it and know, you know, what I need moving forward. And, um, yeah, it's, it's crucial, um, to be a sprinter. Okay. One thing that you do that's typically not done, but some do is when you're in the blocks, you put two knees down. Mm -hmm. Um, why? <laughs> um, so I, you know, I started track at 10 years old and I started training with Tony Wells, um, out in Denver, um, Colorado flyers, and that's what he did. So it's just what I grew up doing. Um, and you know, there's some universities like I think USC, um, Florida, I think maybe Georgia, there's some that do that. Um, and I think that, it gives you a better position to stay low and to stay in the drive phase and to really push off both front and the back block. Now that it means that your, your steps going, I mean, where your, your feet are going to be at the starting line are pretty much going to be further back because you have to be able to put both knees down. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you're figuring out your steps for the blocks, how have you come to the determination that that's where your feet should be? So it's actually measured by um, trochanter link. So we take um, my trochanter length on both legs and then some kind of equation, a chart, um, and you just plug in those numbers. And you, I use a tape measure um, every time I measure my blocks. And, and that's how it's just based on leg length. Okay. So any athlete of mine that's listening to this podcast has just heard mass specific force with the deadlift. They've heard trochanter length, and they're now realizing that every pretty much a lot of what you do and have grown up doing is what my athletes do. And that a lot of that comes from Tony Wells. And a lot of that comes from Brian Kula, who was your high school coach. Sounds like at an early age, you had some very, very good coaching. Do you think that led to some of your success and love for the sport? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, growing up with Tony, I don't know if you knew him personally or know of him, but he was very intense. And I started at a young age, but I loved learning, you know, the angles, just the numbers, everything about the sport. Cause I did gymnastics, dance and soccer, and it wasn't like track where, you know, you put something in and you get it out. Um, so yeah, that definitely helps my love for the sport. You know, I went to Valor coach Kula. He was my coach and, my coach now, he grew up coaching me with Tony in the weight room. And so I just, I've had a really great circle and a great experience growing up in track. Well, you're definitely one of the greatest talents to ever come out of the state of Colorado. That's for sure. And that's not an easy place to train because it's cold way too much. Is that a tough thing to do to find a place to go and train? Yeah, it's been really tough. Um, you know, we don't, we can't be outside all year round. And so we, we have to improvise. Sometimes we train in a hallway at George Washington high school. Um, we roll out a mat and we train and, you know, sometimes we can go to a facility, but it's really limited. There's only certain days and hours. And so it's been hard and we've really <clears throat> had to improvise and, and figure out what and how we can reach the goals that we have. It's funny because you're talking about the things that every coach and athlete, regardless of what level, and you're at the highest level of the sport and you've been successful at the highest, highest stage. And yet you're still having to improvise, adapt and overcome. And I think that should give a lot and maybe pause and give that a lot of affirmation and encouragement to you're a product of not just the best of the best, but everyone's going to be a product of their limitations. 
And so, um, you train at altitude when I mean, you live at altitude. Yeah. Um, is that something that helps a sprinter? Or is that just for distance runners? Um, I really think it's mainly for distance runners. Um, but you know, sprinting, you know, there's the altitude conversion. So, I mean, you're running in thinner air and, um, it is easier for me to breathe going to lower altitudes. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, there's, there's some benefits and then there's some disadvantages as well. I know it's a funny question because how many breaths are you actually taking in a 60 meter dash? Right. I mean, it's not right. a huge anaerobic, anaerobic, whatever. So, um, you grew up with two older sisters and mm -hmm. there's this book talent code that talks about the fastest people who have ever lived. And out of that list, it's like 12 of these fastest times ever were youngest in their family. Mm -hmm. Um, you're the youngest in your family. So, yes. you know, is that something that you think played into this idea of you being competitive and wanting to run fast? Have you ever thought about the birth order and how, and like maybe the way it all kind of worked out in the way that your careers turned out? Yeah. I mean, that's actually a crazy statistic. Um, I mean, we've always joked growing up about how different me and my sisters are. Like, you know, my older sister has characteristics, then the middle one, and then there's me. And I've kind of always been, I don't want to say the black sheep of the family, but I've just kind of been different than my sisters. And um, I don't know why, you know, I got the fast switch gene and they didn't necessarily get it. But um yeah. I mean, that's really interesting. And we have talked about the differences and I think that plays a role. When you train, do you train pretty much by yourself? Are you trying to train with others? Are you like trying to chase people down or be chased? What are some of the ways that you've found in your personal training to be most successful? Yeah. So, um, a lot of the time I've been by myself and so it's kind of been me really self-motivating myself and figuring out what it takes for me to get to that level on my own. But recently I've been able to train with my husband who he's a decathlete, um, for team USA and he really pushes me and that has helped tremendously. Were you guys like watching each other warm up and you thought, Hmm, let me see what his, you know, bounce fire series looks like. And, Oh, okay, good. He's a, he's a potential match. Yeah. Yeah. For <laughs> sure. And I mean, sometimes we even line up in the blocks and we'll do Hills together and it's, yeah, it's good. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. I actually talked to, um, another, you know, Christian Taylor is one of the greatest triple jumpers of all time. He married an Austrian hurdler and he's like, they, they were talking about how fun it is to train together. Um, I love that. That's a great idea. So out of high school, you are a, one of the, one of the country's best hundred meter sprinters. You go to Oregon and you kind of get some injuries that are frankly catastrophic in their words, pretty much. And I mean, would you mind walking us through the story of what happened? Because I know a little bit of it and I do know that it's basically a Disney movie waiting to happen, but you know, can you walk us through like what happened and then how you got back to being on the world's top stage? Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, that is, you know, it was a really hard time in my life, but looking back, I, I just, it's made me who I am today. And, you know, going to Oregon, I was super excited. Um, I thought that was going to be the place that was going to get me to the, my dreams in the next level. And my freshman year, I broke my foot, um, which was so new to me. I hadn't had any injuries leading up, um, you know, had to run on a broken foot coming into sophomore year. I was just constantly in pain and ended up 
taking a bone density scan, getting some blood work done because that was suggested by the team doctor. And um, it came back that I had, they called it osteopenia. That just means like pretty weak bones and, you know, low estrogen, just a lot of things are off. And they, they said, suggested that I should medically retire from the sport altogether um, and be done, you know, for my health down the road. And at such a young age, not really understanding or knowing what or why was going on. And I just listened and I'm like, okay, like I'll stop. Um, so yeah, I ended up medically retiring from track altogether. I was out of the sport for almost three years. I did not touch a spike. I didn't touch a track, nothing. Um, and during that time, you know, track was my identity pretty much. It was who I was. I had this talent and these dreams in me, and then they were just ripped from me. Um, it was hard. And, you know, I went through some personal things during the time of being away from track. I was in, you know, not a great relationship. And I just finally decided to go home to my parents. And that was the turning point of making the decision for myself to, to get back. And then you went to Colorado state and what happened at Colorado state? Because when you go on YouTube and do a fun search of just watching you race, Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Colorado state, really, really great races. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so first year back, it was, it was a rust buster. I was, I hadn't sprinted in almost three years. I was struggling to get back to it. So I just, I just put my head down and grinded and got through the first year. And then I really sat down with, you know, my coach and made a decision to do exactly what I needed to do, to do what I knew I needed to do to get back to where I was and even better. Um, so yeah, second year, um, it was my last year of eligibility. I, you know, broke multiple school records, qualified for the NCAAs. Um, I just, I had a breakthrough for sure. Why go pro? Why go from Colorado state to go pro? Why was that something that you thought you should do? Um, I mean, I knew that I had the talent to be in, in the group and go pro. Like I, I didn't never question that. Um, but I just, it was in my heart and I didn't want to let it go. And I, I was ready for it. And still competing at a high, high level right now. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of sprinters get slower as they get older and you yeah. seem to be doing the exact opposite. Yeah. Thankfully. Um, yeah, I think I found just works for me, you know, working with my coach now and, um, it's, I shock myself sometimes and I really just had to take a step back and trust trust myself, trust my coach, trust the training program. And I think by doing that, I've, I've just kind of opened new levels for myself. Well, let's talk about what works for you. I know like it's trial and error because it's sprinting and you got to figure out what works and what doesn't. What are some of those things that work for you that you like? I mean, is that like making sure you get the right physical therapist, you get massages when you're supposed to, you know how to travel? Is that just a mindset? Like, what does it look like that like when you're alluding to the idea of just finding what works for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, it took, it took a minute to find the recipe for myself because, you know, you have so many people telling you what to eat, what to do, how to exercise, like all these different things, what you need to do when you travel, everything. And I just kind of had to, I mean, everyone's different. Everyone's body is different and everyone's not a part of a cookie cutter, you know, program. And, Um, I just found what worked for me mentally and what made me feel the most confident and feel good. You know, I'm, 
eating the things I need to eat. Um, I'm trusting my training program thoroughly and traveling. It's funny you bring that up because traveling was kind of hard for me because you get out of this routine. And so that can be hard on you mentally and you can, you know, struggle and question, you know, when you're going to a competition, but honestly, by just letting it go and experiencing the experience and just being present, um, that that helped a lot. Um, so yeah, it's, it takes, I'm still learning every day. Um, but yeah. When you train and I mean, are you using free lap cones to measure progress? Are you, um, I mean, do we, what's your fly 30? I mean, how do you try to figure these things out or is that too much? And you're like, I'm too obsessive over, I mean, cause I've talked to some professional athletes, like if they're a hundredth of a second off, it's like the whole day's ruined. I mean, what does it look like for you when you're training? Yeah. I mean, like I said, coach Chuck, my coach, he's a, he's a numbers guy. So we, we do free lap all the time. Um, we do numbers, we do testing, all of those things. And, um, I do struggle sometimes if I'm just a hundredth off or something's off. I'm, I kind of get in this headspace and I've had to kind of turn it off, like, and understand that it's practice one and not every day is going to be a perfect day. And I think that has helped me grow as an athlete. Um, I did struggle with it at first because I am so just OCD by the book. It has to be perfect. Um, But it's kind of helped me just, trust and trust the journey and, you know, take it day by day. Well, that's an inspiration for many because there's a lot of people that are going to, and also free laps, not perfect, right? I mean, the hundredth yeah. of a second, that thing I mean, is never going to be great. It's, it's better than a hand time, but it's yeah. not perfect. Yes. Um, when you are practicing in your training, I mean, what does the professional life or what does the life look like for a professional sprinter? Like what does your day-to-day week by week even look like? <laughs> Um, it has been different, honestly, every single year. Um, last year I had a full-time job while training full-time. Um, there were some good things that came of it and it was also really hard at the same time. Um, and then this year I'm fully focused on training and that's also hard, you know, like track when you have a full-time job and it's not your world it's kind of an outlet and then when it is 100% your world it, you can kind of get stuck in it and you can't really see um the forest for the trees and it can be hard um so day to day right now um just waking up taking care of my body um you know doing things i need to do during the day whether that's chores whether that's a to-do list um things like that before training and then just getting my mind right and my body ready for training and then coming home and eating dinner and doing it all over again. Now, does your husband train also full-time? Are you guys trying to like make sure your schedules align? (laughs) So he actually has a full-time job um, and is training full-time. So we go to practice at the same time, but it's not until later in the day because of that. Um, So yeah, we we're finding this balance that works for the both of us. Man, you guys are busy. I can't imagine all that. So how do you how do you personally deal with that grind? Sometimes I struggle. Sometimes I'm like, I just need a break. I mean, what would it be like to be just a normal, you know, a normal person who kind of doesn't do these, doesn't do this? And um, sometimes it's really hard, but I think it's part of my purpose and. I love it at the end of the day. And I, I wouldn't want it any other way. 
you mentioned something on Twitter just a couple weeks ago and you're like, man, the grind's rough. And then you got this flood of people across the country saying, oh no, no, you're an inspiration. You know, our athletes look up to you. And that's maybe something that social media, that's the good of social media rather than always thinking about the bad. So, you know, if we can end this podcast with just me, I'll speak on behalf of a lot of coaches and a lot of the coaches and the athletes that we coach day to day to day, you are an inspiration because of what you do and how you do it. And so what's next? I mean, where can we follow more about you and what you're trying to accomplish and what can we look forward to? And what does those future goals look like? Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, thank you. I, it means the world to hear that and it, it keeps me going. Um, but yeah, I'm just focused on world championships this year. I'm focused on getting PRs after PRs this season. So world championships, indoor got canceled. So we're focused on outdoor and then, you know, the Olympics in 2024. And those are really the major big things that I'm focused on. And, you know, every, you guys can follow me on Instagram, um, Twitter. I'm always, my DMs are always open. If anyone ever needs advice or anything like that, um, I am always open to talk to all of you guys. I will definitely tag you when I, post the podcast, but would you mind telling us your, uh, Instagram and, and Twitter handles? Yeah. So, um, Instagram is at underscore MB price. And I think Twitter is at MB underscore MB four underscore price. Okay. Yeah. And it's not really hard to find. And there's not a lot of Mary Beth's out there that are sprinting as fast as you. So you can yeah. just <laughs> Google that. Um, I appreciate you so much for coming on the podcast. It was really fun to talk to you and we try very hard to keep the podcast at a, a 20 to 25 minutes so people could be on their commute listening to this um, or on their very, very short run, which if you're listening to this while you're running, put another one on and run a little longer. So, yeah. but I could talk to you all day. Maybe we'll have you on again, especially like when you go out and you're doing some of those amazing things, you're getting some PRs, we'll have you come back and we'll, we'll talk about things and how you did that, how you traveled, where you see yourself being success, successful. Um, but regardless, thank you so much for coming on and, if I need to say it once and you say it again, on trackandfield.com, our sponsor, and relaybatons.com, stick around and our CEO of both those places will let you know how to get in contact with them on social media. And um, his name's Steve and he's an amazing guy. And he also, just as a thank you, Mary Beth, we'd like to send you a gift and relaybatons.com will actually send it out to you. So after the podcast, I'll get your address and we'll send it off to you and you can drink hot, liquid out of it because I know it's very, very cold in Colorado, like 13 months out of the year. So this will be really good for you while you're trying to find a track to run in. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me on here. It's super fun. Awesome. So Steve, you and um, your very non-explosive body, take us away. Thanks to our guest, Mary Beth St. Price, and our host, Coach JT Ayers. The On Track and Field podcast is powered by RelayBatons.com, custom engraved and meet and competition legal relay batons, and water bottles and tumblers, great for team branding, fundraisers, meet awards, and coaches' gifts. And by OnTrackAndField.com, cross country and tracks one-stop source for everything you need for a successful season, competition gear, spikes, training equipment, and shoes. On Track and Field 
TrackTalk.com has everything you need. And you can save up to 50% when you use the word Track Talk at checkout. Some exclusions apply. And make sure to check out our new website, OnTrackRunning.com, your new source for competition and training shoes. Featuring Saucony, Brooks, On Running, New Balance, Asics, and Hoka Shoes and Spikes. OnTrackRunning.com. And make sure to follow us on our socials in the new year at OnTrack, the letter N, Field, at OnTrack and Field on Twitter and the Gram. 